Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So the last couple of years, uh, the last couple of years that I've been with Cammie, she has a thing for, for grass. She likes it, but I didn't have any. So we went and bought some artificial grass. And it started off with just a little place, you know, like she's got it in between the, uh, when you come in from outside, either way, you have to walk over artificial turf before you come inside. It helps with the sand because it's really sandy where we are. And so we replanted some grass, hoping to have some real grass and everything. So we had to pull up a lot of this astroturf that we had just laid out on the ground. And I decided, because I knew it was going to be raining, I decided that I was going to let God help me and I wasn't going to try to do everything myself. So we put these big pieces of astroturf, they're just like 10 by 10, over the panels that make up my horse pen, right? And just let this rain just get all of that dirt and yuck and everything off. But, the, but they had been down for a year, so it was really, really, really heavy. So I got over there and I got the tractor out with the bale spear, right? And so I tried to pick it up, but it's too wide for the deal. So I remembered I'd made an old bale spear that I stuck on and it was long enough and I was doing all this stuff and I was so proud of my ingenuity and everything like that, man. It was just one of those good mornings. It was sunny and I knew it was going to rain that day. So I'm doing all this work, getting ready planting the grass and everything and I get the tractor over there and I get it up there and anyway I put the emergency brake on to get out and try to maneuver this thing over the top it was the biggest piece well Cammy was helping me but she had gone inside for something and I couldn't get this piece wrangled right and so I'm like, where did Cammy go? So I turn around and I walk in and now I'm you know I I, I don't multitask very good and so anyway, I, I walk in, I'm like, Cammie, she goes, what? I was like, where are you? She goes, I'm getting this. I was like, oh, okay. And so I said, I need some help. She goes, I'll be right there. So I was like, okay. So I go in there and I get, you know, pour me a little bit more coffee because this is about, I don't know, eight o'clock in the morning. And I open up the back door and I look out and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I got distracted The emergency brake on that tractor is on the left back wheel, okay? And you press it in and you pull this little lever up and it locks the left wheel in. But if you're not in all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, it's the right wheel that turns. Well, I had left it in first gear idling and the tractor had dug itself a hole. And now it was nearly to the axle, and my tractor's like this. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And I ran out there and everything, and like it was still in first, right? Now it was on the lowest idle side, and it was just sitting there barely turning. But I'd been inside for like five minutes, just sat there and dug a nice little hole right in my road. Like, good grief, man. I'm so, and I tell Cammie all the time, I get so mad at myself because I'm so, so easily distracted. If you have your Bibles and you would like to follow along today, turn to the book of Nehemiah and we'll learn what Nehemiah did to keep himself 
from getting distracted. And one of the distractions right now is I got new glasses and they're a lot more powerful. Whoo, every time I go like this, y'all transform, right? Because they're progressive lenses. So anytime I turn my head, it looks like y'all go like some filter or something. So anyway, we are in the middle of a three-part series. This is our last day called What We Must Do, okay? In the first week, we talked about, um, <laughs> just drew a blank because now I'm distracted by my glasses. <laughs> there are no more prophets. It is real. We talked about it this morning. There are no more prophets. There are no more eyewitness apostles. So what we must do is we must understand that at this day and time, in this on this world right now, guess who is responsible for telling people about God? It's us. There, there's, there's no more Elijahs. There's no more Isaiahs. There are no more Nehemiahs or Ezras or anything like that because we all have the Holy Spirit living in us. So what we must do is realize that today we must do. And it is our responsibility. We are the clay jars that God is entrusting, not the Elijahs and the Ezekiels anymore, but in the Kevins and Ties and Mitch and Cammies and Dianas and Toms and all of us, right? That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Last week we talked about uh, grabbing a hold of your blessing. We talked about Esther and how her uncle Mordecai said, you are the queen now for such a time as this. But if the, if the deliverance from the Jews doesn't come by your hand, God will raise somebody else up. Don't miss out on your blessing. Because one of the greatest and worst things about our Christian lives is if you don't do it, God's going to send somebody else, but you're not going to get the blessing. And he wants to give us that blessing, not of material or anything, but knowing that we worked for him. Don't miss out on your blessing. You're the only Christian at work. Fantastic. Fantastic. You need to do some growing where you are. Fantastic. Do that. Don't leave it to somebody else. Don't miss out on the rewards that God has promised us for living this life. And when you say, well, I don't do it for the rewards. Well, great, but if God wants to give it to you, who are you to say, you know what? I don't want what you have, God. It was, I want all of his rewards. Why? Because the rewards were his idea, not mine. They, he's the one that promised them. I didn't ask for them. He said, I will do this if you will do this. I will bless you. Don't miss out on your rewards. And today, as I said, we are going to talk about not getting distracted. Now, Nehemiah is right before like Psalms and Proverbs. So it's a little bit in the front of the uh, first half of the Old Testament. And it has Ezra, Nehemiah, then Esther, and then I think Job and Psalms and Proverbs or something like that. But Nehemiah, this all happens in about seven... Uh, Oh, I had it memorized this. 433 BC. Okay? 433 BC is when Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem to fix the walls around Jerusalem. Okay? Now, to give you a little bit of background so you don't get lost of what's happened, Babylon has conquered Jerusalem. 
everything in that area. I mean, like they nearly conquered the whole world, okay? And so most of Israel has been taken to Babylon as captives, but in three different waves, uh, King Xerxes, who was the king that Esther had to go talk to to save the Jewish people, right? King Xerxes, which coincidentally is the, is the same King Xerxes that if you ever watched the movie uh, 300 or ever read about the Spartans at Thermopylae, they were fighting Xerxes and there was a queen named Esther that was a Jew of, you know, there you go. So the first wave goes back and I don't really remember the date, but then Ezra, who is a prophet after Esther, uh, Ezra gets permission to go fix the temple because Babylon was kind of like Rome. They didn't make you worship their gods most of the time. They just wanted you as subjects. So you could worship whoever you want to just as long as you minded and didn't rebel, right? So Ezra gets permission to go fix the temple. And then years later, um, Nehemiah, who is a cupbearer for King Artaxerxes, this is Xerxes' son that's now in power in Nehemiah's time. And Nehemiah gets written royal authority to go and fix the walls of Jerusalem. And so that's what he does. But when he gets there, he runs into trouble because there's still other nations, just like there's the Jewish people, there's, there's Arabs and there's all these, I mean, all these other nations still exist, but they're all ruled by uh, Babylon. So this all happens about 40 years after Queen Esther saves. So when we talked about last week with her going in unbidden to the king where she would either get what she wanted or be put to death because if you went before the king, he had to pardon you or kill you. Those are the only two options because it was a death sentence to go before the king unbidden, right? So this is 40 years after that, that this takes place. He runs into trouble, not just from other nations, but even within the Jews, because there's some nobles that go back. There's some, you know, people that just want to go back that are poor and everything. And, and it's still kind of in disrepair. And so uh, as governor, Artaxerxes makes Nehemiah the governor over Jerusalem. And by the king's standard, he's given one ox a day seven sheep, and I don't know however, to eat. Like, because he, as the governor, he has to feed all these royal people and everything like that. But he doesn't even do any of that. He's like, I am not going to put this burden on people. And listen, I want y'all to know that of all of the things that I've been a cowboy most of my life. Now you have to understand I'm not a farmer, okay? I don't know nothing about it. I mean, I can drive a tractor, not that well, obviously. <laughs> not that well. But I heard something the other day and it's one of those things that you know just makes sense but you've never thought about. What breed is an ox? It's not any particular breed. An ox in biblical times is just a steer. 
that is put to farm use. That's what you call a bovine steer, and they were steers. Oxen were steers pulling wagons. That's what you called a steer that pulled a wagon was an ox. I did not know that, by the way. I thought ox were like some sort of breed back then. They're not. They're just a steer. So anyway, you're never too old to learn something, even about cattle, right? <clears throat> so he has all of this stuff that he's able to do, right? And I'll just, I'll just read a little bit to you. Says, uh, let's see. The provisions I paid for each day, he bought this. Ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every 10 days, we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. Yet I refused to do this because the people already carried a heavy burden. Because those things came from the people, right? So he refused to take what was allotted to him. And then he says this, and I don't want you to get distracted he says, Nehemiah does in Nehemiah 5.19. He says, remember me, my God, for good. Remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. Remember me, God, for good. Listen, man, Nehemiah was considered a prophet, and I think that of all the great things that he said, one of those is probably the most important because later on, Jesus said, I will remember their sins no more. That's what Nehemiah is saying here. He's like, uh, remember me, my God, for good. God, please remember the good things that I do. Don't remember the bad things. I'm a sinful person, but please remember the good things that I do for you. As a matter of fact, this is the first of five prayers from this point forward where Nehemiah asks God to remember the good. Remember the good. And then towards the end of his five prayers, the opposite is true. He says, remember them for the, for the work that they, the evil that they tried to do. You know, there's nothing good about them. And so, uh, what can we remember? What can we learn from this? Don't get distracted by the world and forget that God wants us to be cowboys indeed, not just name. Okay? He said, Remember me, my God, for the good things that I did, not the good things I wished. I mean, how many times don't we live in that society that somebody will say something and they're like, Oh, we'll just keep good thoughts about that, we'll put you in our prayers. Well, thank good thoughts. Man, listen, being a Christian is more than this and this. It's with these two. It's with these two. And I and, and like I, I need to learn that. I mean, quite frankly, man, my my wife this morning got some devastating news about the death of a of a friend. And the first thing she did at like seven o'clock this morning was call his mother. Like she did something. She didn't just say, I'll pray for you or anything like that. She wanted to talk to them, to do something, not just up here and here. Because we have a really good time. Well, I'll, I'll just, I'll be sure and keep you in my thoughts and prayers. And there's nothing wrong with that, but don't let it stop there. Do not get distracted to our duty 
to live and share the word of God, don't get distracted by over-spiritualizing everything. And I think that we have fallen into that trap, that distraction, where we think that the only thing we have to do is pray. That is one of the key components of growth. I don't think you can grow. I mean, I don't think you can grow in Christ without prayer, reading a good book, and meeting together, right? Now, you can still be a Christian without doing those things, but you're not going to be very effective. You're not going to be effective. Remember me, my God, for good according to all that I have done for this people. And do you catch yourself just being spiritual? Like, like loving people that don't love you back is just a spiritual concept? No, it's an active concept. And I'm telling you, man, if this, ver this sermon, I should have just preached it at home and showed y'all the video of it because this ain't for y'all. This is for me. Now, if you get something out of it, the shoe fits, boot fits, pull it on, tie it down. I don't care, right? But this is for me. Don't get distracted by just over-spiritualizing everything. God wants us to do something. I mean, it's great because God says, you want to be saved? Believe in me. And we go, we believe in you. That's where it starts. But for too many people, that's where it ends. Stops right here or maybe starts, stops right here. It doesn't continue to our mouth and it doesn't continue to our hands. God has asked us to do something. He's asked us to be Christians indeed, not just in heart and mind. Not, I, will, I will say that's where it starts. But don't get distracted by the devil's lies and thinking that that's all there is because it isn't. God wants us to do things for him. And in Nehemiah 6, verses 2 and 3, we start getting to the favorite part, or my favorite part of Nehemiah. To set this up, what's happening is Nehemiah's there, he's working on the wall, and some people from surrounding areas are spreading lies about him, and they're sending letters back to King Artaxerxes saying, hey man, the only reason they're rebuilding these walls is to get themselves a fortification, and then they're gonna... They're going to rebel again, and that was, not the, that was not the point at this time, okay? The whole point was just to make Jerusalem back to a semblance of what it was, to be able to defend itself, not to rebel, okay? And it's mainly three guys that are uh, really kind of going after him, and, and, and they're asking him when they couldn't just stop him from doing it, intimidating now they're wanting to distract him and they're asking him to leave the walls of Jerusalem and go to the plains of Ono which is about 20 miles away now he already knows they want to kill him Nehemiah's not dumb he's like <laughs> Nehemiah did not go well you know what that's mighty kind of I think I'll just leave these protected walls and go visit these three fellows that hate me and want me to stop me what I'm doing right but this is what he says in Nehemiah 6 2 and 3 Nehemiah says, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. You're talking about to the plain of Ono, about 20 miles away. Why should the work stop while I leave it just to go talk to you? 
And they did that four more times. Actually, they did it a total of five times. They sent messengers with the same message and he just kept saying the same thing time after time after time. What can we learn from that? Don't get distracted by those that want to stop you doing what God has called you to do. <laughs> I talked to Vanessa and Aaron this morning and they, they said, it has been a Sunday morning. And I said, for the Christian, I guarantee you Sunday mornings are some of the hardest because the devil does not want you coming here and worshiping God. He'll put thoughts, oh man, it's raining, don't worry about that. Man, he's gonna try to distract you from doing what you want, what God has called you to do. Maybe you didn't know it. Maybe you're here for some other reason, but God wanted you here for a reason to hear this message today. Maybe it's just so that you can remind me later <laughs> of just how much work I have to do, but I think you can get something out of it. Don't get distracted by those that want you to stop doing what God has called you to do. Every single day there will be opportunities to stop. Every day there's opportunities for us to stop. Stop reading our Bibles. Stop loving people the way God wants us to love them. You know, it's easy to love those that don't love us back when it's easy to love those that don't love us back. It's really hard to love people that are hard to love you back actively, right? Every single day there will be opportunities to stop doing what God has called you to do. Every single day, we must brush them all aside. Why should the work stop so that I have to deal with this? I'm just not gonna do it. I'm gonna just keep on, I'm not gonna get distracted. Maybe you're not a multitasker either, man. I just have to set my mind, I'm like an aircraft carrier or a locomotive. I can't just stop and go the other way, right? And so it's vitally important for me not to get distracted. Four times they sent messengers trying to get him out of the city and he refused all of them. And he just kept working, just kept working. See, God's enemies are relentless. And one of the only ways you are going to be able to keep from being distracted by the devil's relentlessness is for you to be disciplined. And there's nothing fun about that. Now, when I say disciplined, I don't mean God's going to get onto you. I mean discipline in the, in the sense that we know we, what we should do and we should just stay on track with that. Disciplined means you're in training. You are being trained by God not to be distracted by all of these things, and I promise you, I've been kind of leery about preaching this because it's kind of like preaching for patience, right? You need some patience? Well, guess what? You're gonna get some patience training. That's why people say, oh, never ask God for patience. Ah, don't be scared of that, man, grow. Don't be afraid to ask God for anything. I think most people in today's day and age, me and Ty and Mitch were talking about it this morning. A lot of people are depressed because they're too dang comfortable. There, there's, there's, I mean, we can look back and some of the hardest times of our lives were the best times because our joy and our peace and our purpose doesn't come 
from comfort. That is not your purpose on this earth. Jesus didn't come so that you would be happy and comfortable. He came so that you could be made alive in your trespasses, to be forgiven, and to find the only true sense of purpose that we have, and that's in following him. God's enemies are relentless, so we must be disciplined, and there's nothing fun about it. I mean, you know, I I, kind of think about, I thought it was cool one time I seen this samurai movie, and I wanted to be a samurai, (laughs) right? And I also really, I I did a lot of martial arts training, but it really made me mad to get punched in the face. (laughs) It did not teach me peace. Taught me how to take a butt chewing because I'd get mad about it, right? But we we need to be in training, right? I mean, sometimes, listen, you want to know the best way to learn to stay on a horse is to fall off a lot, right? I mean, it, you just have to be disciplined. And in today's day and age, man, listen, the training that God wants to put you through, you've got to go towards it. Man, we keep trying to take shortcuts. Well, God, I can learn this lesson the easy way. No, you can't. No, you can't. Don't be afraid. Well, it's kind of like, you know, the things that we're afraid of, the discipline, the training that we're afraid of. I, I had a picture not too long ago that said, when I'm usually scared of something, my best bet is to kick it in the belly and go straight at it. And a lot of times that'll help. And that's just the way I have to deal with it. But don't be afraid of asking God for hard things, man. Y'all need some hard in your life. You need some disciplined growth that will make you stronger for the purpose that God has prepared for you. And too many people are just sitting around thinking, well, if God wants me to do something, he'll ask me to do it. Man, that's like watching a cow die because it don't have no water. Right? We got to be disciplined. And in verse 6, of chapter 6 in Nehemiah. Nehemiah gets this response. After the fifth time, he's like, look, man, it ain't going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. I'm going to finish what I'm doing here, right? And one of the main guys, when he sends his messenger the fifth time, there's a personal letter that, w- that had not been in there before. So he reads the letter, and this is basically what the letter said. It is reported among the nations... And Geshem says it is true. Now, Geshem is this other kind of uppity-uppity guy that has some influence, right? It is reported among the nations. Let me, let me put that in today's terms for you. You know what so-and-so said? That's what that means. Hey, you know what so-and-so said? And they say it's true, Right? It's thrown in there. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. Not one single thread of that was true. But that's, it was reported. Well, it wasn't reported to them. They were the ones doing that reporting. They were the ones. And understand this, when somebody says, hey, you know what so-and-so said? 
be real careful that they weren't the ones saying it, right? Because I, I really don't care what anybody else said. I care that you listened, right? I mean, that, that's... It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. Don't get distracted by the lies and attacks from God's enemies. I am the chief of sinners when it comes to this. I am the chief of sinners. Do not get distracted by the lies and attacks from God's enemies. Their goals are to stop you, frighten you, and make you question the power of God in your life. Don't get distracted by God's enemies that are trying to stop you, frighten you, and make you question the power of God. The devil doesn't have to beat you. He doesn't have to gain victory over you. He just has to distract you. He doesn't care what you do as long as you're not doing it for God. There's lots of people in the world that don't follow God, don't know God, don't have any interest whatsoever that are living best lives. And it's hard for us Christians to look out there while we're in training and getting punched in the face. And it seems like they've got the easiest road in the world. Well, that's because the devil lets them have whatever they want because they're not doing God's business. Of course they are. Man, you should look at that and go, man, I don't want to be like that, but too many of us are chasing that. That is not where we're going to find it. The devil, devil doesn't have to beat you, just distract you from the only things that he knows will bring you peace, purpose, and reward, and salvation. He wants to distract you, man. He, hey, 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 over here. Take your eyes off God and look at me. And we do it nearly every time. That's where the discipline and training come in. He will try to frighten you with what other people say and think. This is what Nehemiah said in, in verse 8. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. Now, did he go to the other nations and say, hey, listen, I am not saying that. That's, what, that's exactly what they wanted. They want to distract him, and he's just like, man, you're just making that crap up. I'm out. I got work to do, man. Got work to do. He will try to frighten you with what other people say and think. And God will either protect you or use your death for his glory. That's about as well as I think I could have put that because this is what was said in verse 11. So when that didn't work, when this is reported and he's like, eh, that ain't happening, then they're continuing to work. He gets word that they're going to try to assassinate him. And so what they ask him to do is at night go into the temple and lock the doors because the temple was secure. Ezra had rebuilt the temple. You go into the temple and lock the doors and we will, you know, protect you, right? This is what Nehemiah says. 
Should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Now you might be thinking, why wouldn't you want to go into the temple? Well, there's three reasons, right? Well, I mean, there's more than that, but going into the temple to hide was wrong. He wasn't a Levite. He wasn't a Levite priest. You can't go in the temple just whenever you want to and do whatever you want to. Not into the secure part. You can go into the outer court, but that wasn't going to protect. They were talking about going into the temple, right? That ain't going to happen. Going into the temple was, high, was wrong because he wasn't a Levite, right? And going into the temple was wrong because that puts more faith in a building than it does God, right? That's why I say, but should, God will either protect you or use your death for his glory. And I know that that's that like, man, Kevin, that's, that, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? I don't think so. I think it's the truth. God will either protect you or he will use your death for his glory. Because I'm sick and tired of all these preachers saying, if you come before God, nothing bad's ever going to happen. Listen, you follow God, your noggin might get walked off. Right? It's a very real possibility. And the longer we go in this old world, I guarantee you it's going to happen to people. One million percent guaranteed. There are going to be faithful followers of Christ that get their head chopped off and killed for God. He will either protect you or he will use your death for his glory. And you get to go in perfection. You're done then. I ask God to come back every day. Y'all better get right with Jesus. Better get right fast, because I'm asking him to come back, right? <laughs> I'm sick of the way this world operates, man. Let's get heaven and get it on done with. But he says that he ain't going to do it till, ever, till the fullness of the Gentiles has come. That means that I still have a job to do, to tell others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And your job ain't no different than mine. Now, we may have a different method, but we do not have a different job. Y'all are, are out there in the workforce. Y'all are out there in the schools. Y'all are out there in the pastures. Y'all are out there in the businesses. It's y'all's job to teach others about Christ. It's our duty to do that. Do you run and hide when you get distracted? Do you get distracted and get frustrated and just quit? Do you get tired and just decide to do everything yourself. As geared towards the men, we're all like that. I'll just do it myself, right? That's a distraction. Do you get scared and your ego takes over and Kevin says things that he regrets? Yes, doesn't want to do that anymore. He's trying, learning. Don't get distracted. Listen, listen. Do you feel like your wheel is spinning but your emergency brake is on? You getting a little off kilter? Do you feel like your relationship with God is throttled down to idle? Then let me leave you with the words of Nehemiah so you will not be distracted anymore. Lord, strengthen my hands. He didn't ask for strength of heart. He didn't ask for strength of mind. He asked for strength of hands to finish the job, not the spiritual job, the physical job that he asks us to do. God, strengthen my hands.
Let's go to him in prayer. God, we ask that of you right now to strengthen our hands, to give us boldness, to stand up to your enemies that are so loud and so demeaning and so full of nothing but evil. God, strengthen us so that we can do this job because the time is growing late, God. We know that what your word says is true. And while we're on this earth, it is up to us. We will have to do. There are no more Elijahs. There are no more Pauls. There are no more Matthews and Peter, James and John. It is just little old us filled with a great big Holy Spirit. And I pray that we will make the choice today just as Sandy and Wayne will, to do something today to be disciplined so that we're not distracted and so that we can complete our work and reign with you forever. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.